Thank you. Uh, so as Atapa was saying that he would preach until someone fell asleep, if I did that, my sermons would only be five minutes every week. Um, yeah, kind of pondering that over there. Uh, so we're, we're going to start a new series today, and uh, you may have seen the um, sign up there, and it's called Stretch. And uh, I'm, in, I'm, this, I'm stuck in this whole mindset, and I probably do it every year. So forgive me if this is the ninth year that I've done that I've done this with you. Uh, but I get stuck in this whole mindset at the end of the year and the beginning of the of a next year of I just want things to, to be different next year. Like I want to I want to grow. I want there to be something that I can just put my finger on and say that's something that improved in my life. Maybe it's just reading a book. Like I decided to read a classic this past year and I picked Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is like that big. I don't know why. I just thought, I want to read a classic. And uh, that one was on the shelf, so I read it. Just so that I can say, I did something last year, right? I accomplished something. And I get in that mindset at the end of the year, beginning of the next, saying, okay, what's going to be different about this uh, next year? And we talked about it last week spiritually. And I challenged you, and if you have any of those cards that you filled out and you want to help, want us to help hold you accountable, you can put those cards in the offering box and we'll be praying for you and communicating with you. I received a handful of them last week. Um, and I want you to continue thinking about what does it look like to be uh, closer to Jesus at the end of this year than I was at the end of last year? What, even if it's an inch or maybe it's a mile, whatever it is with your situation. Well, there are some other spiritual things um, or things in our life, in our world that happen that we need to make spiritual things that we need to tie together with the spiritual that oftentimes we want to separate. And so over the next, I don't know, eight, nine weeks, depending on how I feel, um, that's kind of funny, uh, I'm, <laughs> um, I, maybe 52 weeks, I don't know. Um, I want us to look at some areas of life that maybe we don't make spiritual um, that we ought to tie in with the spiritual. And the whole idea of the stretch uh, uh, title, I guess, is of the series is that we need to stretch ourselves. Like, if we're really going to make a change, we need to stretch ourselves. If we want to lose weight, we have to stretch ourselves and say, I'm not going to drink any more Mountain Dew. I've not made that decision yet, but if I did, that would be a big stretch, right? Uh, we need to stretch our, our bodies. We need to get up and stretch in the morning. As we get older, we need to stretch. Why? So that we can be a little more free to move. Um, if we're going to change a job, um, sometimes that's stretching ourselves because we may have been there for many years and we're just fretting that conversation with the boss about, hey, I'm resigning. I'm stepping down from this. And uh, there are just different things in our life that happen and in our world that we need to tie to the spiritual to say, what does it look like for this to be a spiritual decision, not just a worldly decision? So the three areas, and they're very popular areas, um, are money, marriage, and I was trying to think of another M, and it just came to me this morning. Money, marriage, and mini-me's. Kids, you like that? I kind of like that. All right, so we're going to uh, look at that over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, we're going to start. Uh, we're going to start with money. Um, I'll give you two seconds, and you can leave now if you want. Um, but we're going to talk about money and how. Why is that a spiritual decision? Like, what does that have to do with uh, my spiritual life? Um, this thing, this green stuff that that we carry that we carry around. And the first thing, quite frankly, that we need to change that will help us tie it to a spiritual thing is to stop calling it my money. And I'm going to do it several times, and you can correct me and laugh at me if you want every time I mess it up, because I will, um, because it's not my money. It, everything belongs to God. It's not my house. It's not my stuff. It's not my clothes. It's obviously not my shirt, because he would pick a nicer one, right? Um, but it's not my, it's, it all belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. I came into this world with none of it, and I get to leave this world, guess what? With none of it, right? Um, and so 
It's a spiritual thing, this whole aspect of money. Now, we want to call it my money. Why? Because I worked hard for it. And I'm working harder than the person next to me. And I get frustrated with the person next to me. Never has any money. I'm like, well, work harder then, right? And that gets a little frustrating. So we want to identify it as, this is mine because I'm working hard for what I earned. I went to school or this school or this college or this trade. And I went into this area instead of this area. And all that equates to, I'm earning what I'm earning because I'm working hard for it. But the fact is, God gave you that brain. God gave you that discipline. God gave you that self-control. God gave you that nudge when you needed it most. He gave you that perseverance when you had to stay up all night long to study for that test that you had the next day. That was all God's doing. And so we can tie this thing called money to a spiritual thing. And so that's what we want to look at today. Um, The first thing I want us to look at is just answer the question, what do I do with money? I mean, what do I do with money? What are the things that if I'm going to stretch myself this year... In my financial world, in my family's finances, what does it look like? What, are the, what do I even do with this stuff? And the answer that is really threefold, and it's really simple. Um, the first thing that we do with money is we give some. And the second thing that we do is we save some. And the third thing that we do is we spend some. <laughs> um, those are three very basic things. But if you look at your financial life today and say, spiritually, what's it going to look like at the end of the year versus what it looks like today, I would encourage you to look at all three of those areas and say, what does my giving look like? Like, what, what does it look like for me to take some of this hard work money that, yes, belongs to God and say, I'm going to part with some of it? What's the strategy? What's the plan that I'm going to have for that when it comes to saving? What does it look like for me to set aside some of what God has blessed me with for a rainy day? And is it okay to do that? Is it okay to set aside for retirement? And if so, how much is enough? Is being a 10 million millionaire okay when I retire? Or a 5 million millionaire okay when I retire? I'm just dreaming, of course. Um, what, what does that look like? What, when is it enough? What's the plan that you're going to have in place? And if you don't have one, maybe that's what the goal should be this year to spiritually Ask the question, what does it look like for me to save? Now, the third one we generally don't have a whole lot of problem with, do we? Um, spending. Right? That's, that's an easy one for us, right? I can come up with a spending plan right there. I want one of those. I want one of those. I want one of those. Um, but when we make spending a spiritual decision, it causes us to slow down and say, is this really a need or is it a want? And what am I sacrificing to purchase this? And what is uh, maybe if I rented one of those every now and then as opposed to buying one of those uh, now, maybe that would make more sense. And so, again, that's one of those three areas that you say spiritually, what does it look like for me to spend what God has blessed me with today? And how can I improve in that area to make every decision, spending decision, a spiritual one? All right. So uh, here's some things that we don't do with money. Right. Uh, The things that we're warned about in the Bible. We don't make money a God. The rich young ruler. If you remember that story, and we've gone over that a couple of times in 2023. uh, The rich young ruler came to Jesus, said, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus said, you know, the commandments, follow them. And he talked about uh, obeying his parents and not committing adultery and all those. And Jesus said, yeah, you've done well. But one thing you lack, sell everything you have, give to the poor and come follow me. And what was really happening? What was happening in that moment is that the rich young ruler had made his money his God. He'd made it his God. And Jesus was saying to him, you need to drop that God and come follow the real one and only true God. You need to follow me. And he went away unhappy because he, 
course, had all this had all this wealth. So one of those warnings about money is that we don't make a God. The other warning that we have in Scripture is that we shouldn't love money. All right. Is money the root of all kinds of evil? No, the love of money right, is the root of all kinds of evil. And if we love money, if we are so in love with money that we've elevated um, higher in our uh, priority list and what we worship and what we follow, then that's that's a problem. And I think deep down in every one of our souls, we find money comforting. How many of us deep down, don't answer this, if someone said, I'm going to give you $100,000 today, cash, you would say, that would solve a whole bunch of my problems. I mean, it's easy to think, yeah, you know, I could do this, could do this, could do this. And it may not even be problems. It might just be some comfort. And we start to think about money as our security blanket and our big old cushion that we can fall back on when that's not really the security blanket we should have, is it? We should be trusting fully in Jesus. And that's why sometimes maybe our spiritual guidance with saving seems like we're saving less for the future. But if it's from God, is it ever going to be a bad decision? Of course not. So we need to make sure that money is not an idol and that it's not something that we love. All right. So here are some verses that we love about money. Now here's some verses. You like that smiley face? I picked that out just for you. Um, is it up there yet? There it is. There you go. All right. Here's some verses that we, we love these verses about money. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. We like that verse. Because it means every little bit I'm setting aside in my 401k or savings, 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there, it adds up. And we like to see that. We love the miracle of compounding interest, don't we? That's a wonderful thing in our uh, economy that we have. And it also tells us it's okay that as I work hard and I stay in this job and I continue to set aside, it's okay. Because it will build and build and build. And whatever God has in store for it, has in mind for it, that will be great. It also might help me turn away from the lotto just a little bit. To think that in Proverbs it says, if I gain a little by a little, it's going to be good. But if I'm trying to go all in and buy that lottery ticket, maybe not so much. Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We like that verse because it allows us to say, listen, go work harder. Go work. I've worked hard for what I have and the money that I have. Um, and I, I like that. So we, we like that kind of verse because it gives us an excuse to look at our kids and say, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks. Go mow the grass and I'll give it to you. Right. Go help out with the flower bed or whatever. And I'll give it. We're teaching our kids and we're teaching others that hard work is good. Deuteronomy 28:12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to you, to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. I love that verse. Why? Because it talks about the blessings of God that he wants to pour down on our lives. And we love to pick those kind of verses out. Second Thessalonians 3.10. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Right? That's one that we like to quote because we like to share that one with people. Well, maybe if you worked, you'd be all right. <laughs> right? Well, then there are some verses in the Bible that make us maybe a little bit more uncomfortable. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Stop right there. It can make it shift in your seat, can it? I mean, you're like, the full tithe? I mean, 10%? Is it possible to tithe 5%? No, it's impossible, right? Because the word tithe means 10%, right? And uh, in Malachi, Jesus was talking to the Israelite people. Let's take it into context. And he said, you've upset me. They're like, why are you angry? He's like, you've robbed me. Well, how have we robbed you? You're not bringing your whole tithe, your whole 10% into the storehouse. And then he goes on to say, he's like, test me. I dare you bring your whole tithe in and see how I won't bless you beyond measure. 
open up the storehouses and just bless you like crazy if you'll do that. That one makes us shift a little bit because especially if you're new to church and new to faith and you're like 10%, really? Tithe? That's like a house payment. That's a car payment. That's a significant amount of money. And that can make us shift. I, I can interpret that passage to mean that God is calling us to bring a tenth into the church, the storehouse, that we can use it for ministry together. I can interpret it that way, and that can make us, that can make us shift a little bit in our seat. Matthew 19, 21, we talked about the rich young ruler. If you, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. That makes us shift in our seat a little bit because... Maybe Jesus is talking to us. Maybe I'm holding money so closely that he's telling me to go sell everything I have and give it to the poor and come follow him. If I'm going to take other passages literal, shouldn't I take that one literal too? That's why, that's why that verse kind of makes us a little uncomfortable. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave of the lender. That one can be a little uncomfortable because let's all face it, we've probably all borrowed money before. I don't know that I've ever met someone that's never borrowed a dime before. I don't know if I've met that person. You might be here and come up and say hello afterwards because I think that's cool. Um, but I'm guessing that between mortgage or something, or car, or credit card or something, that we've all borrowed. And we see that and we're like, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable because I've, I've done that before. Romans 13:8. Owe no one anything except to love other, uh, each other. For the one who, has loved, who loves another has fulfilled the law. That one was smooth, wasn't it? Uh, that one makes us a little uncomfortable because, again, it says, owe no one anything. Owe no one anything except to love them. And that can be uncomfortable in our economy, in our world, because let's face it, a car is not a cheap expenditure, is it? And houses are not cheap. And we enter into these agreements to uh, pay back and loans and all these kinds of things. And we look in Scripture and it says, owe no man anything. That can make us a little uncomfortable. Well, here are some of my favorite verses about money. Not that you asked, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. I really do love that Malachi 3.10 verse. Um, and it's not because um, I just have all kinds of money to throw at the church or whatever, but I love that verse because I've tested God in that over the course of our marriage and over the course of my life. I've made every financial mistake you can possibly imagine. Uh, you give me your sad story, I'll triple it, man. I've done awful. <laughs> uh, I've got the t-shirt for it and everything. Um, and I've just done, made a lot of mistakes. But man, God, is, as we have faithfully just chosen to say the first of our fruits, the first tenth at least, goes back to God. He has watched over us and provided for us and cared for us. I've tested in that, in that because we've had some tight times. So I love that verse. Matthew six twenty one. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love that one because it's convicting to me. It tells me, Andy, are you really calling money your safety blanket or do you trust in Jesus? And I've had some moments in my life where I've had to look at a get-rich-quick scheme or setting money aside or, quite frankly, just not having any money. And I'm just like, am I really trusting in finances for comfort in this life or am I trusting in Jesus? Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. I love that verse because it probably just gives me hope that, oh, yeah, you can have all your wealth, but the Bible says I'm better off than you are, right? <laughs> I think it's just a sour grapes thing that I like that verse. Um, and then my all-time favorite verse about money is 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. And I hope this is one that maybe you'll memorize and that maybe this might be the thing that drives you this year to say this is how I'm going to mix finances with the spiritual side, okay? The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. What I love about those two verses is that I can get up here and preach about money and have no guilty conscience, even though the church pays me a salary, because all of your money that you that God has blessed you with is not between you and me or you and the church. It's between you and God. I love this because whatever you put in an offering box or whatever you give to charity, whatever you do with the money God has blessed you with, it isn't because I'm giving you a guilty conscience. It isn't because somebody's twisting your arm. It should only be because you want to cheerfully give it. Because you recognize that everything belongs to God. And the opportunities he puts before you are to cheerfully give back to him. To thank him for what he has blessed you with. And that's why I love those verses of scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. Alright, real quickly. This is uh, Stephen Perry. He's the lead singer of... Thank you. That's what I thought, but I just wanted to make sure. So I had you answer it instead of me. Um, we're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about another Stephen Perry. All right. This Stephen Perry. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was funny. I just thought it was interesting. So there you go. Um, this Stephen Perry on March 17th in 1845 patented the rubber band. Wouldn't you have liked to have been that guy? Patented the rubber band. How many of you have rubber bands sitting around your house, in your office, and, uh, or, but you can never find them when you need them, right? Um, he patented the rubber band. And as I was thinking about this whole aspect of finances, family, and mini-me's, uh, money, marriage, and mini-me's, um, I was thinking about the whole idea of stretching, and the rubber band is the first thing that came to mind. And uh, I'm sure this illustration will break down somewhere along the way, but here's the illustration I would share with you about the, the rubber band. Um, the rubber band is this thing that, again, Stephen Perry got the patent for it. He actually wasn't the guy that really invented it, but he did have the, the first patent for it. And when I consider the rubber band, this is what we see rubber bands. We see them around newspapers. How many of you delivered newspapers when you were a kid? Any of you left? All right, yeah. And I remember my brother doing that. We rolled them up, had to put the rubber bands on so he could chuck it through windows and stuff. And uh, so we'd use rubber bands. Sometimes you have reports or a bunch of paper. You put a rubber band on it just so you can set it aside so they stay together. Um, we use rubber bands to shoot each other with, right, when you do one of those things and you let it go. Um, so all kinds of things. You can shoot your eye out. All kinds of wonderful things come with, with uh, rubber bands. Um, but this is what I wanted to share illustration-wise about rubber bands. First of all, the first rule of stretching a rubber band is pulling it. If I just set this rubber band and I just set it on a table like this or just hold it in my hand, it just is what it is. Right? It might take a kind of an oval shape. kind of looks like a football, but it's a green football. That would be wrong. It needs to be a maze blue football, I think. Um, but anyway, so it could kind of look. But it really doesn't... Uh, cover the function I want it for unless I, unless I pull for, on it. And when it comes to finances in particular, when it comes to making them a spiritual thing, the thing that we need to do when it comes to stretching our mind and stretching spiritually our mind around finances is we need to do some pulling. And this is the pulling that we need to do. We need to do some pulling in our mind and our heart that what I have, again, does not belong to me, that it belongs to God. We need to do some pulling and that if you are in a marriage relationship, um, there needs to be some pulling because invariably one of you will be the nerd who wants to keep track of all the dollars and cents and where everything's going. And the other one's just like, oh, I love Girl Scout cookies. I love Boy Scout popcorn. I love the schools. This. I love that. And we're just spending like crazy. I want a new one of those. Those shoes look awesome on you. Let's get some of those. Um, and so I won't ask you to identify who you are. But chances are in the marriage relationship, we have one of each of those. 
And when it comes to making financial decisions, spiritual decisions, we need to pull together as a married couple. Maybe you're single and you have a mentor or a financial advisor that you need to pull together to say, we need to figure out what we're going to do with what God has blessed us with so that we don't do stupid. We need to pull together. Otherwise, if we're going in different directions, um, it's going to be a, a bad scene. And so the first rule of stretching is that we need to do some pulling. We need to do some pulling together. We also need to do some pulling when it comes to, again, our spouse uh, in a marriage relationship and saying, what are your dreams? What are your fears? What are your anxieties? Some people, 46% of married couples don't talk about finances. 46%. Half of all couples don't talk with each other about their finances. And I dare say that the reason that we don't talk about them is that we don't want to face the reality. The reality that maybe there's not enough. The reality of that there is no plan. The reality of maybe I want to be a giver and I want to be a spender. There are just differences that we have that cause us to not want to talk about this. And so when it comes to stretching our mind around money being a spiritual thing, we need to pull our family together and we need to pull out of each other. What is money? What has God blessed us with? And what does it look like to use it the way he's called us to? The second rule of stretching is limitations. Right? If I uh, asked... Uh, Scott to come up here and he took one end of the rubber band and I took the other and we kept pulling and pulling. What's going to happen? It's eventually going to break, right? In fact, that was the problem with the guy that really invented the rubber band. Um, and we'll get to that later is that he didn't see a use for these things because all he saw is that they would get brittle and dried up and just break real easily. Well, it was perfected a little bit more so over the years, but it still has its limitations. And the same thing happens when we talk about finances as a spiritual thing. When I'm uh, if I'm meeting with my spouse and we're talking about money, there's limitations that I need to know about my spouse that I need to know when things are about to break. It's not okay to nag your spouse about money. It's not okay to fight with your spouse about money. We discuss things with our spouse about money. We discuss with our spouse about what God has blessed us with and how we can stretch ourselves to see it as a spiritual thing so that God might lead us to understand what it means to give some, to save some, and to spend wisely within his economy. But there are limitations. It's not okay, again, to fight about it. It's not okay to say, well, let's go buy a big yacht. Well, my che checkbook has limitations. I don't know if yours does. Uh, but there's not a yacht in there. Um, there's limitations that are scripture. Let's not start making uh, financial, spiritual decisions based on verses that aren't in scripture. Let's stick to what Jesus would say about what it means to be responsible with our finances and what he's called us to do and to be. The third rule of stretching is letting go. Um, we know that if I had Scott again come up and pull on one side of the rubber band and then I said, one, two, three, we're going to let go, Scott. And on the count of two, I let go and Scott was stuck holding the rubber band. What's going to happen? It's going to hurt, right? Um, you're probably not going to stop it. I can't go, whoops, Scott, sorry, it slipped and somehow reach out. I'm not that fast and I doubt that you are as well. But some point when it comes to stretching, um, there's a letting go. There's a positive letting go in that when you reach a goal, you stick a rubber band around it and you say, we accomplished that. And it's okay to celebrate those things. It's okay to celebrate. We now are doing this when it comes to giving or this when it comes to saving or we cut out some of this spending. That It's okay to celebrate that and put a rubber band around it. But sometimes we just let go because we're tired of the work that it takes to really make spending and our finances a spiritual decision. And when we let go in that way, it's going to be hurtful. It's going to be hurtful. 
Somebody's going to be left holding the rubber band while the other person snaps it and they can't take it back. And there's a lot of repair that has to be done. Trust is broken and a lot of different things. If we're not communicating about money, if we're not sharing about money, if we're not pulling out our dreams and pulling together about it, not willing to do the tough work, at the end of the day, we're just stuck holding a rubber band that somebody has snapped at us and it really is hurt and it's hard to, it's hard to undo. Colossians 3.1 is the verse that I want to be our core verse, if you will, over the course um, of this series. Uh, Colossians 3.1 is a, a letter that, uh, Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote, and he wrote to the church in Colossae in chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, so for all of us here that are Christians, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Let me read that again. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The long and short of it when it comes to making finances a spiritual thing is all about turning our attention and our focus towards Jesus instead of the world and the stuff around us. Now, I know that applies to everything, and that's why it's our core verse for these nine or ten weeks that we're in this series. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus And as we do, even our finances, even the things of this world, as we put them into perspective and allow them, uh, Jesus, to help us make spiritual decisions as it applies to, yes, even our money, then we know that we're going to be doing what God has called us to do and are acting according to his will. This is Thomas Hancock. Uh, Thomas Hancock lived between 1786 and 1865, and you could argue that he was really the guy that uh, invented the rubber band. Um, He was doing some stuff with uh, rubber, and he had these little shavings that would come off. He saw no use for it, so he set it aside. He was in a fight with this guy named Goodyear, uh, who you probably recognize that name, and and the different, uh, I think it's called, uh, yeah, anyway, it's some long word that I can't remember what it was, a different aspect of rubber to make it more durable. He was bogged down in that, that he didn't have the foresight to see that this little shaving, this little thing that would become the rubber band, Um, that would really take off and find out so many other uses. And the point is, and what I want to share with you about his story, is that he didn't have the foresight because he didn't stop and think about really what he had created and what was in front of him that he could do maybe a great thing with. He set it aside. I don't want that to happen to us. I don't want that to happen. We live in a very wealthy country. There's all kinds of money pouring into this place. There are jobs everywhere. There's all kinds of money being poured into our lives, into this country, into our homes. And I don't want us to miss. I don't want us to lack the foresight to see that every coin, every dollar we see is God's, not ours. And he's got a purpose and plan for it. And if we will simply look to Jesus when it comes to making those decisions, he will guide those decisions And allow us and help us to see that it belongs to him and not to us. And we can drive away with those thoughts uh, without the buyer's remorse that is so easy to have when we drive away with those other high-priced things that we jump into, right? But if we fail to look up, we're going to miss the direction that God is pointing us in. If we fail to look up, we're going to miss the direction that God is pointing us in. Just like that guy missed this opportunity to patent the rubber band and forever to be known for these things that are around everybody's household and by the millions that you can find because he didn't have the foresight to see what was in front of him. You and I need to not miss 
what's around us, but it's only going to happen if we first look up and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I really want us to work on stretching ourselves this year. I want us to stretch out of our comfort zone, stretch our thinking, stretching our thoughts. How can I make, and yes, money, how can I make that a spiritual thing so that at the end of this year, I am much better off financially? Maybe not in amount, but in the plan that you have to be spiritual spenders, spiritual givers, spiritual savers, because that's what God has called us and wants us to know and do with his money, not ours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for blessing us the way that you have. And um, sometimes it's hard to see that we're blessed as much because we've had tight times around our homes. But the fact of the matter is when you consider around the world, uh, we are so wealthy in this country. So, Father, it comes with a great responsibility. And that responsibility is that we have to make all of these decisions with all of this money in a way that will honor you and glorify you. Because as we saw with the rich young ruler, it is so easy to have money sidetrack us and take our eyes off of you because of the way the world treats it and wants us to have more and fight for it and lie and cheat to get it. All of these things can just pull us away from you. So, Father, may we make money a spiritual thing in our life this year. May you help us have a plan. May we talk with our spouse. May we talk with our family so that we come away with a spiritual plan that makes sense to be able to manage what you've blessed us with. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if it'll help or not. Maybe it'll just be an annoyance to you. But on the back table, I got about a million of these rubber bands. Um, they are not from 1865, so I don't think they're brittle yet. But you're welcome to take one. Maybe slide it on your wrist, put it on your rearview mirror, whatever. Just to remember to stretch yourself this year and to make all these decisions spiritual ones. Let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.